Hey guys, welcome to the happy hour. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? I'm coming at you real and unfiltered to talk about self-care, mental health, and life. This podcast is designed to encourage, educate, and uplift each person that listens. I'm coming from both a clinical standpoint and a personal point of view to discuss various matters. The happy hour is here to let each listener know that no matter what you may be going through, you can turn your obstacles into triumphs. So go ahead and like, share, subscribe, follow, do all those great things, but just make sure you also listen. Welcome to the happy hour. I know the last couple of episodes we've been talking about self-care. We've been talking about the keto diet, you know, talking about different things. But today I want to bring it around to, you know, my concept of mental health as well, being a part of the happy hour. And today we're going to talk about life after the attempt. I have an awesome, amazing person on here, St. Jane, who does a lot of stuff for mental health and um, I'm going to let her tell her story in a little bit but I just want to kind of give you a little bit about my story as well Um, I'm actually a survivor of suicide times two when I was I think 15 and 16 or maybe 16 I don't remember the age exactly but I um, attempted to take my life twice Um, the first time I did it I was at work okay Sonic skated around on the rollerblades with the food nobody does that no more anyway I was at Sonic and I was like severely depressed and just a lot of stuff was going on. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't staying with my family. I was just staying with various friends and I felt like nobody loved me and just all type of stuff. So I decided to take a whole bunch of pills and I locked myself in the bathroom at work. So after that happened, um, I guess they came looking for me and then they like were banging on the door and they couldn't get me out. And so the ambulance came and they got me. And at that time I had to get my, I had to get my stomach pumped and I had to drink like the charcoal and stuff because I was close to like death on that one. Then maybe not even like a year later, maybe like six months later, I had came to live with my dad in Atlanta and I did it again. Um, I was at my dad's house and I, you know, took a bunch of Tylenol and I, It wasn't as bad that time because, of course, they got me an ambulance sooner than they did the the first time. But either way, both times um, I had to go to the hospital and I was hospitalized at a mental health hospital both times. Um, But those are the only two times I ever attempted to take my life. But I can admit as an adult, I've still had some suicidal ideations. Um, Even recently had suicidal ideations, not with a plan or an, an intent. But just thoughts of like, if I got in an accident, I hope I die. Just things like that. So it's real. Um, so now I just want to, you know, I, I gave you a little bit about me. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Miss St. Jane and let her, you know, tell you about herself. Give her her social media handles and, you know, just talk a little bit about some things before we get into it. Okay. Hi. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Who are you talking to them? <laughs> Everybody. doesn't matter. Um <laughs> Okay, so I'm St. Jane. Let's see, some basics. I'm 28. I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. And I am a survivor of suicide as well as an individual living with a mental health diagnosis. Um, My story actually starts when I was 10. I actually recall my very first panic attack. Um, I remember standing in the hallway of elementary school and I hated those single file lines. Like they're so annoying to me. And um, standing there, I just recall like my entire world kind of caving in on me. 
I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it was called. I just knew that my heart was beating entirely too fast. I knew that my hands were clenched. Um, I was sweating. And needless to say that I was freaking out. Um, I knew that I couldn't raise my hand and be like, hey, teacher, like I'm kind of freaking out right now because um, I didn't know what it was called, you know what I mean? So I just fought through it and I kind of got through the rest of my day. Um, by the age of 11 and 12, I kept having panic attacks and then it further developed into like severe isolation and depression. Um, I just remember never really wanting to be social even at like school events and pep rallies and all of that, I was just miserable. Like I preferred to be alone um, to the point of, uh, I'd say I was like 12, 12 and a half maybe. It was in the summertime and um, I was at a family member's house and uh, nobody was there. And I remember just sitting there and kind of having like this relief that this was my time to do what I had been planning over the past two years. Um, once I got into deep depression and isolation, I began having like, very intense suicidal ideations uh, to the point of like writing goodbye notes um, to my brother, my mom, my dad, like each and every night. I probably had about five to six different ones. Um, I began thinking about what my funeral would look like, just all these intense thoughts had just built up over time. And at that one particular moment, um, I went and locked myself into a bathroom and found, you know, over-the-counter medication, took everything that I could find, went back, and I remember sitting on a bed, like a small, like little twin-size bed with a quilt on it, super detailed, but I remember sitting there waiting for something to actually happen or to feel it, and nothing was actually happening. And I laid down on my back, and the next thing I know, like I woke up the next day, and it was as if nothing ever happened. And I remember being really, really angry. And so from that point forward, I lived with the secret of having depression and severe anxiety, as well as having, um, you know, been a survivor of suicide. So as I got older, I knew that my story had to help somebody else. So back in 2016, I developed St. Jane, which is simply the voice of everybody who is not heard. So, you know, Sane was me fighting for my sanity and Jane was just like, it's everybody. It's not just my story. We all have some type of, you know, untold story, whether it be mental health or trauma, whatever it may be. So that was the beginning of that. And there's more details like in between all of that, but that is my story of the survivor. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot. And I noticed <laughs> one thing that we both, our, our attempts were similar. Yeah. Um, locking ourselves in the bathroom and taking, you know, pills or something and that's that's interesting like like I said um shout out to star because star actually connected me to St. Jane when I first started doing my podcast she was like oh my god you'll love her you definitely gotta have her on the show and like soon as I looked on her page I was instantly in love with everything that she does and the, and the cause Thank you. For. because there's such a there's such a stigma of mental health especially in the black community mm -hmm. um so just you know and it's, it's, it's such a stigma of like you know, when I tell people like, oh yeah, I tried to kill myself twice and I still have thoughts sometimes. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like it's such a stigma. Like it, it happens, you know? And to make it more, make this be more aware for people so that, I mean, that's one of the reasons I got in the job I got in. I wanted to, you know, you know, they say hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. but hurt people that have been healed can help other people heal. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do, you know? 
because I like I worked in a mental health hospital and I worked always on the kids unit when I worked there before I um like transferred into assessments but like I understood where they were coming from the ones that had just attempted suicide or something not that I agreed with why they did it you know why they went through with it but I understood why they did it because I was there at one point so that's why I really liked you know your story and everything because I'm like oh wow like she you know she she knows she's been there she's a survivor she knows all these things so that's great um so did you talk about talk being about diagnosed me. or no not yet um okay so yeah I didn't know how far in my story you wanted me to go um okay let's jump back down so when I was uh, like about 19 I would say I just kind of I consider it kind of blacking out and checking out um I was smoking a lot of weed I was drinking a lot and it was more than just you know like being around friends and going out for a party it was kind of sort of just to get through my day and to deal with all these different emotions um I was in intense depression but I was also having like elevated moods so I was losing sleep consistently I may have been getting like two to three hours a night um going on about a year so you can imagine by losing sleep and being under consistent I would not be substance use yeah like I was I was very much so um out of it so I actually by the age of uh, 21 I remember going home and sitting with my mom and um actually before that I was still 21 and it was the summer of me going back into school and uh, I remember we were in the car I was living in Buckhead for the summer and we were in the car I just heard bursting into tears and she was kind of looking at me like, okay, like, what's this about? What's what's wrong? And I just remember saying like, I really, I need some help. And uh, she kind of looked at me as if I don't really know what that looks like. You know what I mean? We don't talk about mental health in our community. So if we don't talk about it, then we don't know the language for it and we don't know the resources. And that was what happened. Um, So I kind of brushed it off and I kept dealing with all these symptoms. So that following Thanksgiving, just a few months later, I brought it up again. And um, again, we didn't have understanding of what I was really dealing with. I had done my own research and was pre-diagnosing myself with all types of stuff. Um, And then I got so sick that I just basically dropped out of school um, and I was about to be evicted from my place. And uh, I kind of just, I lost it completely. I went back to Atlanta because I was down in Statesboro for school and came back to Atlanta in the middle of the week and I remember like driving my car and it kept shutting down in the middle of the road which was kind of random and I had like severe panic attacks but I'd been dealing with them for years so it wasn't really that big of a deal but my car kept breaking down and I was trying to get back to school it was just a real life hot mess and so I called one of my homeboys and he was like look you're gonna call your parents or I'm gonna call 911 and I'm like yo I really don't want this ambulance pulling up on me and this auto's in the parking lot like that's really not what's up and so I called my dad and all I kept hearing in his voice was like why is she in Atlanta like in the middle of the week like what does she have going on and I just kept saying like I need you to come pick me up like I need you to come get me and I think that was my final like that was my breaking point I could not continue living the way that I was living so he took me home um they kind of I laid on the couch and they were standing over me and I didn't talk for the first few days of being home 
and I remember them standing over me and asking all these questions, kind of like whispering. And uh, the first one was, why is she here? <laughs> Obviously. And then the second one was, well, is she okay? And then you could hear like the concern in their voice grow. Like you could kind of hear their fear. You could hear their pure, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what this is supposed to look like. I do recall her telling me some stuff before. I didn't believe her. But again, like, what do we do? Who do we call? And that was probably what I would consider one of their scariest moments of not knowing where to go with the actual situation. So I went to a primary care physician and she told me that they could not take me home because I was suicidal. Mm -hmm. And um, I was hospitalized that evening, actually, um, in a Wellstar. It was awful. Like, it was the most traumatizing experience that I can ever ex- like, explain. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I weighed about 85 pounds. Um, at that moment, I probably hadn't had real sleep going on about two and a half years. And I was severely, severely self-medicated, like, completely. So I was in the public hospital for two days. And then I was sent to a private institution called Ridgeview in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the most awkward slash best experience of my life because <laughs> I was able to sleep. You know what I mean? Um, and I was given this diagnosis, diagnosis of bipolar disorder. How did, so, it, how did it feel to get that diagnosis? Amazing. It did? And, okay. Yeah. And I say that because... I'd been miserable for what, 10 years? And for somebody finally to sit in front of me and be like, yo, what you've actually been experiencing for the past two years is this. Like, this is the term for it. Um, In addition to these are your resources, this is manageable, this is what your life can look like. I mean, not knowing what was going on and really failing out of school and being evicted and living a life of being blacked out. Like, I was sick. Well, the reason. Yeah, I was sick. The reason I ask about how you felt when you got the diagnosis, because I haven't been diagnosed with anything as severe. Well, I don't want to call it severe, but just I haven't. I've been diagnosed with like anxiety, PTSD, and depression. But um, when I started my new doctor, um, she wouldn't like refill my uh, prescription of Xanax, so she referred me to a psychiatrist. And I had never. Well, I ain't gonna say never. When I was in the military, I definitely went to a psychiatry and stuff like that. But um, I was never really on medication. Like as a child, I was, but as an adult, like I think like I tried to do a PTSD study at Emory and they put me on like some kind of stuff for anxiety and I only took that for like a month. But anyway, so I went to her and the very first thing, like she didn't, she really just refilled my Xanax the other day. She get, she put me on a mood stabilizer. And when I tell you, I almost turned up in there. Cause I'm like, what are you trying to say? Like, what are you trying to say? I was yeah. like, I know what that, I know what a mood stabilizer is for. Cause you know, I'm a clinician. So I was just really, I myself was the stigma that everybody else has. Like she told mm-hmm. me she was gonna put me on Seroquel and Seroquel I know is for people with like psychosis and stuff. Uh-huh. And so I really like had a really like, I was pissed. I was a B word to her. Like I hated her. Like I, when I left that day, I called my mom and my dad crying. I called my supervisor for me as a counselor. I called her and she's the one that really had me like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna try it. Cause she was like, well, just try it. Because you know, another friend of mine, they put her on something that was for something else and it ended up working. So 
I think it I think it definitely has leveled me out. I don't really think I had like well, she said I was moody and I had mood swings and I like was very irritable all the time. Mm-hmm. And like of course she's increased my dosage, but the reason that's why I asked what did you think about the diagnosis because I know I wasn't even diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but because of the medication she gave me and the stigma, just unknowingly I like was pissed. But now I'm glad like cuz I couldn't Yeah, I mean before. and I think there're two sides to it. Yeah. I mean I was I, I was more so relieved. I was so exhausted like I was just I was spent I was over it and I finally just felt like something made sense um because running around that way nothing was making sense and it was a lot to deal with I'm thinking that everything was my fault excuse me and my life was falling apart because of me um so that was that was awful but I can also say the minute that I was diagnosed I felt limited and I felt that I had become this disorder and I attach that label to be me. So I always like to make the difference of, like I have bipolar disorder, I am not bipolar, like it's not a characteristic, mm-hmm. it's an illness that I have. And I can say that is the only thing about that process that was unhealthy, was them saying like, you are bipolar. Um, Cause I, it made my entire identity. So anything I couldn't do, I said, like, well, it's because I'm bipolar, you know what I mean? And it was it was limiting. So that was a negative space. But I was relieved to kind of know what was going on. And I was desperate. So that's awesome. Yeah. And like I said, I wasn't in the beginning happy about, you know, the medication. But like I said, like I had really bad insomnia from the military. So for, you know, I deployed in 2009. So for 10 years, well, I won't say 10 years because I got on the medicine last year. So for nine years, I would like either struggle to fall asleep and sleep like four hours or I would not sleep for like a day or two and then like crash. Mm-hmm. So now that I take, when I take my medicine, I'll be out. Yeah, <laughs> it, be it's out. like, it's crazy. When you wake up, you're like, I'm so energized. Like my brain feels rested. I'm not irritable. Like it's just completely different feeling. Like I, the longest I've been up is probably three days. Yeah. And it's... Too. Yeah, it's scary. Like yeah. you it's, start hype, you, you start um, hallucinating and stuff. Yeah, it's scary. So um, I don't have no business being out there like that. <laughs> so how? So I know you said I heard you say that when um, when you got it, you felt limited. Tell me more about that. Um. So when I was first diagnosed, like I, because I was diagnosed as bipolar. Uh, when I was in the hospital but when I went to a psychiatrist following that I was re-diagnosed as depressed um which we can kind of get into that later but that was an awful experience but I was continuously told like you would probably have to be on disability you probably need a caregiver you probably will never like you know like buy a car it was just all these things basically saying because you have this you'll probably never be able to experience these certain things in life Um, I never thought I'd get married. I never thought I'd have kids. Um, I just felt limited behind what the stigma was of bipolar disorder. You know what I mean? Which was consistent hospitalizations, consistent episodes, just a life of either being medicated or being totally out of it. There was no real life in between. Um, And it was a life that other people had built for me based upon other cases they had. So, um, yeah, like I felt extremely limited in that. And then I genuinely stopped working towards anything great. So if I couldn't do anything, I would really blame it on my disorder. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, instead of being like, this is just a part of my life. I'm actually deserving of more than that. I just have to work 
a little harder and a little differently than everybody else. Um, but I just felt as if my life was around medication therapy and uh, drama. Okay. So I know you said that's how you felt, but like, have you been limited at all? Because I mean, uh-uh. I see you out here doing great things. I follow your yeah. page and I see you doing, um, you know, talking in big crowds and stuff. Thank you. Um, so it took me, let's see, I was about 24, 25 when I started recognizing the difference between just that phrase and identifying as somebody living with something than as somebody that has it. Um, instead of somebody that is actually that term or that illness, um, because I figured out how to fit it into my life. I figured that I couldn't give it more power than it deserved. Um, and I remember a doctor telling me that, like, don't give your disorder more power than it deserved. And it pissed me off because I'm like, you don't know what I'm going through. My whole life has been turned upside down. Like, I have to go to bed at 10 o'clock while my friends are on spring break. You know what I mean? My whole life changed. So it did feel as if it had taken over. But when I was about 24, 25, I had been in consistent therapy. And it was just like everything started to click. And I started seeing progress like financially I started seeing progress in like my, my relationships or be friendships or whatever um, the relationship with my parents I started seeing just all these different things and me being capable without being sick you know I felt what stability was like I was able to finish school you know it was just a lot of different things to where I'm like I can't live with it as an excuse for me not to do anything mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah okay so um so you're as as you're a certified peer specialist right Mm -hmm. tell me about what you do with that as so um i was uh let's see i got my certification in 2016 um so i actually started off just speaking um, my entire journey started off just doing speaking engagements and being like a panelist and so forth. But when I became a fair specialist, I continued with it. But I loved the actual um, training and the program because I learned so much about my own personal recovery. Oh, and, I, when, yeah. I, when I went through the counseling yeah. program, like... It's amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, it brought... it. it now, it triggered me some because there was a lot of trauma from my childhood that I didn't remember until yeah. then. And I remember asking my dad, like, Dad, did this happen? And he was like, yeah, but you never talked about it, so I never talked about it. Like, yep. so it was good and bad and good at the same time, definitely. Yep. I, um, therapy is what kind of got me through all my childhood trauma. I am so pro-therapy, but... Yeah. I'm a therapist uh, that seeks therapy. <laughs> girl, yes. Like, I have to. Like, I... I, I have to but um, so once I started with the whole peer specialist thing like I said I really was just on speaking engagements because I was obsessed with it and that was my background but this past let's see in 2017 I had the opportunity to hold and facilitate a workshop at the University of Arkansas for like 300 kids that is awesome and I fell in love with teaching like I just, I fell in love with it. I did. I knew the moment I opened my mouth that that was what I was supposed to be doing for like the rest of my entire life. So this past summer, I joined the Garrett Lee Smith grant, which is for suicide prevention, and I start doing like one-on-one counseling with uh, suicidal individuals 
and teaching like recovery classes. So, and then doing public health. So now I get best of all my worlds. Um, so yeah, just being able to share my lived experience and like public speaking and then through public health and trainings as well as recovery classes with peers is just, it's an awesome combination. That's, that's really dope. Like, I mean, I, I started this podcast one to be a self-care tool for myself, but also to help others with self-care, but just like, even like learning about you and hearing you talk right now, it's like, dang, like you're doing all these great things for, you know, what we both already struggle with. And that's amazing because there's a lot of people out here that might be diagnosed with, you know, depression or anxiety or PTSD or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia that are scared to speak up or don't want people to look at them differently. And you, you, like you said, you're not your diagnosis, you know, that's just a part of you and you live proudly in it. And that's like super amazing to me, like super, super amazing to me. Thank you. Um, so we did talk a little bit about, um, 911 St. Jane, but just tell us a little bit more about it and like, um, all those things. So, uh, Let's see, I was 24 and 24 going on 25, something like that. And I remember talking to a friend of mine and I was super sick and she was like, well, why don't you turn it into like a dear diary thing? And when she said that, just the name popped in my head, like St. Jane. And I'm like, yo, that's dope. Like I'm really rocking when I love it. So um, the explanation behind it genuinely started, I always thought I would be a Jane Doe. Like, I really always thought my parents would find me, like, in some body bag somewhere, and nobody would ever know my story. Like, nobody would ever know my childhood trauma or my diagnosis and what I've been living with. That's deep. It would just, yeah, it would just be like, this is your daughter. We found her here. And then, you know, like, my story would be lost, like, somewhere. So that's where it started off as. And then the same part really just became... Like, who is to tell me what my sanity is supposed to be? And it was something I had to build and really work for. So, um, like, Sane was what I built, and Jane was the person that was actually able to tell her story. Um, And then 911, it just kind of, you know, I threw that in there. (laughs) I like it, though. (laughs) Thank you. So that's, um, that's how that all started. But I actually became obsessed with it once, um... I had a DUI on my 25th birthday. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of came out of that jail situation, it's like, yeah, I need something to focus on. So um, from that day forward, I've given it every little piece of me and it has grown into something like just really beautiful. Something I never would have really expected. So it's my baby. Um, It's for everybody who does not necessarily have a voice or people that aren't being heard. That's what it's all about. So everybody's Jane and everybody creates like their own world of what's best for them. So yeah. That's that's really awesome. And I remember you were talking about, um, you know, self-medicating and stuff. And, you know, I remember when I was like 16, 17, because I graduated when I was 17. So it was like between 16 and 17. And this is when I lived in one city and I drove an hour just to go to school in another city because I had nowhere to live. And so I was staying with my brother's girlfriend, well, his ex-girlfriend. He was locked up and I was staying with her and her two kids. Very bad situation because like, I just did whatever. And so I, you know, got with the wrong crowd and like, I got addicted to X and I, I never really got 
fully diagnosed as being addicted to, to X, mm-hmm. but I know I was addicted because I was using it like every weekend or I would like skip school and, and use it then. And like, I made sure I dated the dope boy that had the X so I could get it for mm-hmm. free. And like, I was drinking heavily. Like I was drinking heavily up until like before I got out the military. Cause I used to, yeah. So like, I, I definitely see that self-medication. And I think that was to do with, cause I definitely have PTSD from my, you know, from when I was younger, but also like from the military. So just self-medicating, I definitely understand that. And a lot of people do that. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have any other, you know, like tools or coping skills, you're just trying to go for your thing to get you through that moment. Um, so I, I, I get it. Like, I definitely, I get it. I don't think I was ever diagnosed with an addiction, but I do and did like consider myself like an alcoholic and addicted to other things. And that is me taking, you know, responsibility for what my life was looking like. So if I had to have something in order to get to something else, like that's, that's an addiction. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because a lot of people don't like going into, you know, their own personal like no, when it comes no. to that. I'm, I'm a super open book and, and yeah. sometimes people don't understand that, but it's just like, I just am. I mean, what happened to me happened to me, but it doesn't define who I am. I have a tattoo on my arm that says my strength required struggle. So I take that as like, I'm as strong as I am because of everything I've been through. And my dad said something, which is gonna sound weird to people, but he, he said to me like, you know, I, I didn't fight for you, but I'm glad that I didn't fight for you because you're, you know, the things that happened to you made you as strong as you are. Like if I would have fought for you and you would have lived with me, you would have been soft, you would have been spoiled, you would have been all these things. So as weird, weird as it sounds, not saying he wanted the things that happened to me to happen to me because like I've been just to run through a quick, like I was molested twice as a child. I was, you know, raped a couple different times as a teenager and as, as an adult. So just all the things I've been through, he said, and like I said, he doesn't mean that he wanted it to happen, but he's saying because it happened, it made me the strong individual I am. So just yeah. like you said, you don't, you, you, you're not your diagnosis. You know, your diagnosis doesn't define you. So the things that happen to me don't necessarily define me. So yeah, I'm an open book. Like I, it ain't like I go around and just be like, hey, you guys, let me tell you what happened to yeah, me. Exactly. But Exactly. When I talk to somebody and like we just get, like if I get in a long conversation with somebody and it just comes up, I tell them and a lot of people are like, wow, I would have never, you know, because matter of fact, I was talking to a friend of mine last week and they were like, I would have never like I would have never thought this. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't let it. I said, but now do you understand why I'm so standoffish? Like, now do you understand why I don't like fool with a lot of people? That's why. Yeah, it definitely it pays to be transparent. Yeah, like, it makes our life easier. I believe like this is what you gonna get. Yeah, don't act, don't act funny when this happens. Like this is this is it. Definitely. <laughs> but so, I mean, I de- oh my god, I'm so like again, shout out to Star. I'm so happy she linked me with you because there's like all these ideas I want to do, but. I definitely want to have other people on here because it's just easy. You know, it makes it not easier, but it's, it's so much interest, so much more interesting to get different people's um, points of view. And just like, especially your story, because your story is so amazing. Um, but was there anything else that you maybe wanted to, you know, tell them, especially make sure you tell them your social media handles, but anything else you oh, want yes. to tell them? Okay, so social media is uh, 911 Sane, S-A-N-E. Jane, J-A-N-E. So it's 911 St. Jane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, website, all of that. It's all tagged 911 St. Jane. Um, go follow me, interact with what's going on. 
and just show some support that'd be awesome um but any additional stuff i would say is that we all are deserving of being happy yes Uh, we all deserve peace and we all deserve a clear head and however you make that happen like my thing was therapy that's not everybody my thing is meditation and writing that's not everybody but whatever you know (laughs) yeah it's not everybody but whatever you know your thing is whether that be the gym or yoga whatever like you are deserving of peace and happiness and I just feel like as a black community we don't always take advantage of that um and advantage of the resources that we have in order to be our best self so whatever you have to do to get up and get through your day the best way you can and to deal with the struggles please do so take care of yourself and um yeah like hugs and kisses forever awesome well I just want to thank you so so much again for just you know being willing to do this with me and be you know I'm pretty sure people are going to love this episode um so I just really want to thank you for you know joining me today and telling us your story Thank you for having me. Um, this was awesome. It was so exciting. Yes. So I appreciate you for even setting up a platform. Yes. Um, I always admire people that can sit down and be that disciplined and make it work. So thank you for giving <laughs> it me. It took a while to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still I working and growing it. because I noticed, like, I've, I've noticed some tweaks I need to make on each episode. So I'm, yes, I'm still working and growing. <laughs> Well, no, it's awesome. Um, And it's, you know, it's good to actually have a platform. So thank you for that. And yeah, I look forward to continue to work together for sure. Yes, for sure. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning into the happy hour today. Peace out.